there's a definition of liberal that I'm using in this podcast and it's one in which the word liberal applies to every political system that is not the authoritarian rule that was the monarchies of old, the monarchies by divine rule, which the French Revolution saw off and which the English Revolution rather did as well, and the American and the Russian and lots of them. And I have been arguing that it also then applies to, for example, Indigenous Australian politics. But getting back to the more familiar ones in the West, you know, my definition of liberal is all, well, includes all of the political systems that came after authoritarian, after the kings and queens of France got their heads chopped off, you know, and that's, you know, capitalism, well, all the political and economic and social systems, you know, so capitalism, communism, democracy, um, and anarchy, um, socialism, um, everything you can, you know, left-wing, right-wing, I bundle all that along with indigenous sort of politics and economic systems. They must have had those um, and um, social systems. Um, I bundle all that into a big box called liberal systems. Now, there is a more loose definition, well, more than one. There are more loose definitions of liberal these days. For example, in America, um, one of those many liberal systems, being the Democrats, (laughs) seems to have stolen the word for themselves. Right, so and they're rather sort of left wing elite, you know. Um, slightly, yeah. I'll I'll leave it at that. And in Australia, the opposite has happened. The sort of progressive conservatives, but the conservatives, nevertheless, the right wing, has grabbed the word and stolen it. So in America, liberal loosely means sort of left wing. In Australia, you know, if you just grabbed someone on the street and said liberal, they would sort of say right wing. Um, me, I'm using what I think is its original meaning, uh, you know, and um, and so you know, liberal politics gave rise to both the left and the right wing, um, and. That'll do. <laughs> All right, on to it. Constitutional monarchies, republics, iPhones, uh, 
separation of church and state, cars, um, uh, anti-slavery, slavery, large-scale slavery, at least, large-scale slavery. Oh, look, the Egyptians probably had large-ish scale slavery, but I think uh, Europeans really started to get the production line going uh, once liberalism uh, got up and running. Uh, what else? Uh, these are all the things that liberalism has brought us. Individualism, uh, democracy, bringing back democracy. Obviously we've had democracy before. We've had liberalism before with the Greeks, you know. Um, uh, liberalism for the few, but still liberalism. We couldn't have liberalism for the many. We probably wouldn't have liberalism for the many in the uh, 21st century if the Greeks hadn't come up with the idea of liberalism for the few back in the ancient times, and the Romans too, uh, and their republic. You know, um, the, the American republic, the USA republic, you know, is consciously modelled on the uh, Roman uh, Republic with some major differences because of the rise of individualism and because they, you know, the USA, the founding fathers, uh, did have the Enlightenment ringing in their ears. Um, so they wanted liberalism for the many, not the very, very many, not for the slaves, uh, but for a lot more people than the uh, than the ancient Romans wanted it for. Uh, the ancient Romans wanted liberalism for the very, very few, you know, and and also um, uh, the USA hadn't sort of twigged to the idea of liberalism for women, you know. A lot of this, a lot of the liberalism, a lot of the aspects of liberalism I like came out of England. For, but I feel that, uh, from what I've heard, you know, I don't come up with these ideas myself. I just feel stuff from listening to other people. You know, I am no genius on any of these things. I just hear things and um, turn them over in my mind. Um, that England, you know. The word English Enlightenment is nigh on an oxymoron, almost. You know, um, words like Scottish Enlightenment, Enlightenment makes, you know, resonates more, um, and um, the Continental Enlightenment, you know, was you know, they, they, they were the real hotbeds of Enlightenment. But anyway, all this stuff brought in liberalism, and um, and. Um, anti-racism, human rights, universal human rights. It's always been a certain aspect of human rights all through history. Um, otherwise, we'd be just, um, you know, if you walk down the street in ancient Rome, you'd just slaughter someone who you, if you didn't like the look of their face, you know. So there's always been a little bit of that. Um, sometimes you could do that in ancient Rome if it was, a, if it was your own slave. <laughs> you could do anything you liked to them because you owned them. Um, 
when I say your own slave in ancient Rome, you're probably thinking Africans. <laughs> well, no, of course you're not. I can't say what you're thinking. You probably know a lot more about Rome than me. But um, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't like that in ancient Rome. You know, your slave was just as likely to be a Greek. Um, so slavery in history wasn't so much associated with black and white as far as I could tell. Yeah. In fact, you know, I think olive and brown people tended to collect white slaves and tended to collect black slaves, for example. You know. um, and, and, and these episodes, which I'm calling Naz and Biggles, are going to be a little bit of a rumination, <laughs> don't know if that's the right word, um, on the fact that it's become so black and white, you know, about whites enslaving blacks. If you go up to someone in the street, well, especially in America, and say, slavery, who slaves whom? They say, well, white people enslave black people. And you say, is that it? And I say, yes, what are you getting at? You know. Um, a lot of people would think like that, you know. Um, and I'm not sure that African-Americans, for example, if you walked up to an African-American young bloke who's been listening to rap and said, slavery, tell me, who slaves whom? You know, and, you know, I'm not sure that he might say, well, you know, my ancestors, my ancestors in Africa used to enslave white people. <laughs> Which, I, you know did happen somewhere. I think the um, there was one guy, Ishmael the Magnificent. Uh, he was actually Albanian, but he was Egyptian. Um, but he used to like to collect slaves from France and up up into uh, up into um, Caucasian areas. He used to go used to go um, uh, prospecting for slaves up there. I think uh, white slaves were his favourite. And I think he uh, anyway. Um, so it gets a bit muddier back then. Ishmael was much more recent. Uh, end of the 19th century, but um, but there came a time when you know liberalism came along, hand in hand with enlightenment and science and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, they're they're all dancing together. Those guys, um, you know, chicken and egg, which one is causing which? You know, they're all just sort of snowballing along together, um, and. Uh, yeah, but anti-slavery, look, the abolishment of slavery, um, which, uh, now, I'm, I, I actually can't detect any, the idea of abolishment of slavery in ancient history, you know, in history, um, the abolishment of slavery in the sense of, you know, in a way that it, that it will stick, you know, as an idea forever. You know, and I think um, Europeans, white people, have come up with that as a you know because I do want to bring it back to white and black. Um, so I do feel, and I could be wrong, but I don't detect in history anyone. I know about you know Cyrus the Great, but um, real evidence of whether he was on about abolishment of slavery as an i and an almost you know what you might call an enlightened ideology. I don't know if there's much evidence of that, you know. I, 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 what is the uh, hard evidence of Cyrus? I know he, he set slaves free because I go to Mass and it's in the Bible. And I hear readings and in Mass, you know, we're often hearing how wonderful Cyrus is uh, because it's in the Bible a lot, how wonderful he is, because some of the slaves that he set free were Jews. Um, so 
Um, if you're going to set Jews free, um, you're going to be, you know, uh, the Bible is going to love you. You know, if you're going to set someone else free, the Bible probably won't mention you, you know. Um, to be really loved by God in the biblical sense, you have to actually set Jews free. Um, anyway, um, so, you know, because I'm a Jew, um, in the in the Catholic sense, um, you know, because we Catholics, when we were young, we were called, we called ourselves, we thought of ourselves as the chosen ones in the Jewish sense, you know. So we're no different, we were no different than the Jews, the way uh, the brothers and the priests um, and the nuns spoke to me, made me feel like a Jew, you know, but a Catholic instead. Um, but it's got that whole Jewish way about it. All right, now in um, liberalism, and, and Christianity sits behind the Enlightenment too, just as much as classical ideas do. Um, liberalism, so democracy, yes, and republicanism is different. Democratic socialism, you know, because I've been mentioning the Democrats in America, they seem to be a bit like that. I think that's one of their ideologies. And, um, and Ethiopia, which is one of my touchstones. I don't know if touchstones is the right word, but I like it. Um, I think they're democratic socialists, you know, which is a form of socialism. Um, in Ethiopia, democratic socialism, you know, where everyone votes quite reliably, um, but a single party wins every seat. You know, they get all the votes, you know, 100%. Well, I think there's been a couple of elections where, you know, I don't know how many hundred seats there are in Ethiopia, you know, but one seat might be won by some sort of independent or opposition, you know. But, you know, 100% of the vote goes to one party. So whatever democratic socialism, whatever's democratic about their socialism has to be some sort of democracy within that party somehow, you know, which is hard for someone from Australia to get their head around because we've got you know three parties yeah. or a coalition and another party and then some other parties like the Greens you know so we're uh, yeah so that's the way it goes right um, so anti-slavery human rights but then slavery and the idea of anti-racism you know and I think that comes from I think that comes from enlightenment and European thinking, uh, you know, out of out of um, the Enlightenment and the idea of liberalism, anti-racism, but then liberalism also brought a white-hot form of racism as well, because liberalism, in, as far as I can tell, uh, gave you know incorrectly, in my opinion, but that's just my opinion, you know, and I'm just talking logical opinion, um, but my logic. Um, says that, um, well, I can see where, I can see how they could come up with this idea, but um, the huge scientific and political and technological jump that the, what you would call white people, gave themselves, that also gave them a sense that they might be constitutionally, you know, I won't say DNA-wise, because they don't, I don't think they even knew what DNA was. Nobody did on the planet, you know. Um, but constitutionally, um, that if you were white, you know, you're, you were a higher species, you know. 
and their evidence for that was because they had invented the steam train, you know. But um, as this episode unfolds, um, I may, and I may not, but I may sort of um, explore the idea that um, hunter-gatherer peoples uh, might have, might have, you know, could just as easily have um, um, exploited their environment. Um, yeah, you know, they're learning from their environment uh, in such a way as they've come up with something even more sophisticated. You know. Um, um, all right, now, um, so anti-slavery, all these things from liberalism, but then slavery is oh, look, as I said, slavery's always been around. Uh, the abolishment of slavery, I think that's a liberal idea. You know, the abolishment of slavery in such a way as it would spread across the planet and stick as an idea. You know, because I think someone like Cyrus the Great, I think he pretty much just said, I did set all the slaves free. You know, like he was advertising himself, and so, so he should, because he, he, was, he was Cyrus the Great, and he was also Cyrus the Good. You know, but he was still an authoritarian leader before, during, and after he was um, setting the slaves free. And I don't know if there's a lot of evidence that he was into the abolishment of slavery for all time as an ideology. As far as I know, there's just marks on stele, um, and, you know, in things like the Jewish record, is it Talmud or anything? I get confused about, you know, I, I, I like to think of the Jewish texts as the Old Testament because I'm a Catholic. <laughs> we like to keep it simple. Um, the Tetrarch, oh God, yeah, te starts with T. I was just thinking then, as I was trying to brainstorm what liberalism is, yeah, before I pull it apart, because that's my plan, to wonder whether liberalism is going to cause our destruction. Um, and I was thinking my way of trying to define liberalism would to get, a, be, to get the biggest piece of butcher's paper you ever saw, put it up on a wall, and write down about... You know, and brainstorm about a thousand words, and that's liberalism, you know. And then... I would fold that up and slot it in to my dictionary under L. And, you know, that would be my, you know, this really chaotic piece, uh, jumble of words and, um, and not try and distill it, you know, into a nice pithy little definition and, uh, and put it into my, and fold it up, put it in my dictionary under L and that's liberalism. I'm tempted to do that. Uh, but I'm going to, you know, and once I did that, and then um, I would make this podcast and I'd pull out that piece of paper again, look at it all, and say, has this all brought out destruction? Yeah. All right. Uh, as you can see, and as you must have picked up in all the episodes I've ever made, I love. Um, keep getting things making things messy you know a lot of people like to try and clear things up in their mind but I've been doing that all my life and I'm 56 now and I really have flipped over the last number of years and I enjoy mess you know when it comes to thinking you know I do not want to clarify my thinking 
I like to mess it all up. So, you know, if I if I find someone has, you know, worked something out, well, I like to try and pull it apart again. You know? And that's my thing. Um, uh, you know, if, if people come up with a simple idea, well, except when it comes to some topics like mm, E equals MC squared, you know, uh, force equals mass times acceleration. Speed equals distance over time. I like those sorts of things to be simple. I love the simple elegance of a lot of physics and maths and all that sort of stuff. I'll look this, yeah. But just in the type of thinking I like to do, I like to keep it messy. Um, you know, if you speak with too much certainty, I feel, look, I'm talking in social and political senses, you know, and all that sort of stuff. If you've got someone who, for example, on social media, um, always seems confident, firm, and um, and precise and exact about what their opinions are on everything. Um, those are the people uh, that don't resonate with me. You know, it's not that simple. You know, uh, I prefer to keep it messy. And if you if you do like that sort of thing, where someone is going to get on Facebook and define liberalism for you, you know, or something like racism, or slavery, or anything like that, and say, look, here is how it is, you know, and they're, and they're assertive, and they're firm, and they use nice, clean language, and all that sort of thing, well, you know, that sort of um, clarifying of everything makes me anxious, but if it, or if, if it's if, if I'm able to drag it all down back into hell and mess it all up again, I start to relax again because I know, in my mind, you know, my knowledge, you know, know, you know, you have to study philosophy, which I have never done, um, but you'd have to study philosophy to know what I meant by I know. Uh, but once a, you know, once a seemingly fully clarified subject has been messed right up again, I start to relax again because I say, that's where I can relax, you know. That's, um, okay. It's the difference for me between the neatness of sitting in a tidy little room, um, you know, where everything has been clarified, you know, four walls, um, you know, Vincent van Gogh's bedroom, <laughs> bed, <laughs> um, a little window and a little table, you know, a little dresser, <laughs> and that's it. That's, that's nice and clear and simple. Everything's been clarified. But a walk out into nature, you know, um, you know that's, the, that's the complexity that I like. Okay. So, you know, obviously, because I'm chatting away here. Okay, so that's that. Um, and I'll probably move on to something else in a minute. Ah, for what I'm about to talk about, I should also mention that I use the word racism. I haven't defined that. Now, I really can't start throwing, I shouldn't throw the word racism around until I've defined it. You know, because depending on how you define racism, either 90% or 10% of Australians could be racist, depending on how you define it. See, that's tricky. So, you know, 
if someone just comes up to you in the street and says, you're a racist, um, there's absolutely no need to get hot under the collar or anything like that. You know, the first thing you should say is, um, oh, what definition are you using? You know, Now, I think I'll just not define racism and just use it very loosely, a little bit like a lot of people use the word liberal very loosely, and it may, you know, and, and just see if it has any meaning in its context when I say it, you know. Um, I have this loose way of talking anyway, vague way of talking, which I really like, which keeps it pretty loosey-goosey anyway, you know. So if I say, you know, such and such is racist, you know, you can form in your own mind an opinion as to whether you think that person is racist or not, and I don't really... And, it, and, it really, and, and that... And that opinion will be fine by me. So if I say someone is racist and you say, no, they're not, then fair enough. We're probably using different definitions of racism. And vice versa. If I say someone is not and you say, yes, they are, then, you know, all power to you. I agree. We're probably just using definitions, different definitions of racism. Okay. So, again, let's get on to it. then the previous episode I ended up calling liberalism as salvation this next episode I'm going to call liberalism as destruction and to get the ball rolling I'll just read a text that I sent to my GD earlier. Who is my chat partner? And I had flagged that I was going to make this episode because I had already made an episode, as I said to her, about whether liberalism might save the world. And now I was saying, and yet might liberalism destroy the world? And just as a conversation starter, not a conversation finisher, I texted because it's come close a few times already. The Nazis, the communists, nukes, technology destroying the environment, and most importantly, liberalism surely has triggered the modern population explosion, has it not? Uh, I'm paraphrasing there. Through increased food production and delivery systems. And so on. Okay, so that's my start. Just a little bit more ball rolling, I think. Uh, now, this episode is called uh, Liberalism as Destruction. I like that word, very catchy. Um, as salvation is too. Liberalism as salvation. The previous episode. Now, um, as I build up to this episode, I'm thinking that the end of the salvation episode might work as the beginning of the destruction episode. 
Whether that's true or not, you're about to find out because here it comes, the end of the previous episode, repeated. Uh, which means you're going to be listening to the same thing again, but then I'm not in a hurry. <laughs> you know, I'm happy to waste everybody's time. Okay, I'm not here to um, make this podcast attractive. You know, if it bores everybody, that's good too. You know, because I'm really here just for, to, for the sound of my own voice more than, more than to impress anybody. All right, so voice sound off and sound back on in one second. came across in that episode as someone who thinks one way or another in the end liberalism is the answer and uh, I guess to a certain extent I do um, you know I sort of think all right liberalism is the answer um, and I guess in my head I'm thinking I don't know which system, which blend of systems I'm sort of thinking a, a system that has components of all the different liberal systems, um, a little bit of capitalism, you know, to encourage people to work for a start, um, a little bit of socialism, you know, to um, to look after people who um, would otherwise fall between the cracks, um, something that will take care of the problem of racism and all that sort of thing and minority groups, you know. Uh, you know, there's this thing in philosophy I've heard, the greatest good for the greatest number of people. And, and while that's a nice morality, um, it does have that issue um, of that people who, you know, that will leave 1% of the world uh, maybe um, marginalised, okay? And... We might not like that. Uh, oh, who knows? Um, but then, you know, uh, if there's... Uh, you get a school sometimes and there's no children in the, with wheelchairs and there hasn't been any child for, with a wheelchair for the last 80 years and they build ramps anyway, just in case one day, you know. And is that, ex- is that ex- too expensive? Yeah, and that sort of thing, you know, for the likely benefit, things like that, you know. All right, so liberalism, you know, I, I kind of sometimes think get the balance right. And I do like that system the Romans had where you, you also don't throw out authoritarian rule uh, and, and you keep that in place, but only in emergencies, you know. So in ancient Rome, they had the... Uh, the device called the dictator, which got out of hand, and but it was good while it lasted. It eventually got out of hand, and Julius Caesar yeah, was the last and greatest dictator of the Republic of Rome, and um, saw off the Republic of Rome. Now, um, and in the modern world, we have something similar: the device called the state of emergency. Um, so you know that's kind of it's kind of getting the best out of every possible system you can think of, you know, and I'm sort of at layer in, I'm thinking, layer in indigenous um, systems as well and bring them in under um, the suite of liberal options, you know, 
along with progressive progressive conservatism and socialism and everything else you can put and poke a stick at. Anyway, have elements of everything, you know, and, and then forever try to get the balance right. Uh, now that sounds to me good in theory. Um, and Naz, I think, is saying it doesn't work. You know, because look at the history so far. A little bit in the same way that a lot of people say communism doesn't work. It's good in theory, but it doesn't work in practice. You know, and I think Naz might be saying, and if I'm reading his lyrics right, liberalism, as brought in by the Enlightenment, has proven to not work. And it never will. You know, I, I kind of disagree, but, um, you know, I think you should keep trying. But then communists think you should keep trying with socialism and communism. No, communists think you should keep trying with, well, with communism and socialism, you know, uh, different blends and all that sort of thing, you know. Um, so I guess I'm just being like those guys. Um, okay, but Naz would say, it doesn't work, throw it all away. Let's, um, Africa rising, we want to bring back the ancient ways when we were kings and we want to be kings again. You know, and I think he's saying go back to authoritarian rule in the way he speaks, you know, because he he really is loving the way it used to be. He loves the way it used to be in Egypt. I can't see how he's got any connection to Egypt um, at a guess, um, but he's claiming Egypt as part of his historical glory uh, because it happens to be on the same continent of uh, uh, that his people came from. Uh, he may be part Egyptian, but can't pick it, you know, um, you know, you can, I'm not going to take a DNA test, <laughs> alright, so that's Naz, Biggles, he would say, um, liberalism uh, is going great, and in particular, capitalist style liberalism, Biggles would say, emphasise that, you know, and de-emphasise socialist type liberalism, so Biggles would be arguing that. You know, whereas I'm a little different than Biggles, I would say get a nice blend of capitalism and socialism going, um, and all that sort of stuff, you know. And, and, you know, and I would also be bringing in um, indigenous uh, politics and law and culture as well, you know, in Australia, for example. And then, by extension, I'd be looking at the systems that immigrant nations have coming into Australia. I don't, um, you know, put aside... Greeks and Italians because our system comes from them <laughs> you, know, um, you know we should learn from the Greeks you know and the Romans we English well we already have centuries ago you know that's where we got our systems you know and and gave it our own spin but that's where we got it so um you know I know a Greek who was um who was bemoaning the change in Australian culture and um you know with all the recent immigrants you know and um, and someone else, I'm not going to name anybody, said, ha, that's a bit rich. You know, they were immigrants in the 1950s, and here they are bemoaning change of culture, you know, politically, um, due to recent immigrants. And, and I said, no, 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 it's not like that. The Greeks and the Italians, um, when they came to Australia, they found their own systems here, you know, so they're protecting Greek and Italian systems, we got it from them, you know, so it's not the same, you know, so they want Australia to stay the same, because Australia is their system, you know, so to speak, you know, um, it's very different, you know, you can't compare Greek and Italian um, immigration, because culturally, 
you know, their, our, they are our heritage, and I'm talking about European Australia and British Australia. So you can't, you know, just in a bubble thinking along those lines, um, you can't compare the Italian and Greek immigrants of the 1950s in terms of the impact on European Australia to um, people coming from cultures that are completely different to European Australia. Now, I'm not defending European Australia, I'm just saying why this Greek was uh, defending Australian culture so much and, um, and thinking that more recent immigrants were going to ruin it. I think you get what I'm saying. It's not the same thing, okay? They're not being hypocritical. They're defending their own culture by defending Australian culture. That's what the Greeks are doing, you know, and the Italians, let's say. Okay, so that's that. You know, racist, it's probably racist, but no, that's, I'm just saying what it is, not what, I'm not being moral, I'm just saying what it is, you know. The two sets of immigrants can't be compared, is what I'm saying. Oh, well, that's what the Greeks are saying, and I'm inclined to agree. You can't use um, the CV of the Greeks and the Italians as proof that the next mobs from completely different cultural backgrounds will work just as well. You, know, you can't use their resume, you know, like a more recent immigrant from, you know, wherever. I don't care where, Vietnam or China or whatever, they can't pick up the they can't pick up the example of the Greeks and the Italians and the success story that was because it was a success story in Australia in the 1950s, and use their resume as proof that you know the next mob is going to fit in just as easily. Um, uh, and there's another reason for that too because we went actually you know and it was part of the white Australia racist policy and all that sort of stuff, but we went out. Um, sort of asking the Greeks and the Italians to come, you know, which is very different to a refugee, for example, where you didn't ask them to come. Now, I'm not saying it's good, you know, it's quite likely racist. In fact, I think it is. But I'm just saying it's um, a refugee is not going to have an easy time. You know, it's not going to be as likely a success in Australia. It's not a lay-down misere in the same way that the Greeks and Italians coming here were a lay-down misere. That's all I'm saying. And then, at the end of that last episode, I suddenly remembered that I should be talking about Naz and Biggles and all that stuff. Now, you know, white and black. Why, why still? Why still? thinking I should talk about all that stuff. Um, well, I don't know. Uh, but I know somehow it's going to be worth it. For me, at least, if not for you, but for me. Uh, because it is a big deal. It is a big deal somehow. I am in a bubble, and but for my GD, goddaughter, but for my goddaughter, I wouldn't even be conscious of the black-white thing because it doesn't enter into my life. Well, it hardly ever does. Uh, you know, even at the footy, you know, because I go to the footy, which is probably the only time I step outside my bubble. Um, you know, I just live in Essendon and just cruise around to the coffee shops in the morning and work during the day, you know. Um, and um, we don't have any multiculturalism in our schools where my kids go to schools. We've only got 
really what you might call Aussies and Italians, you know, Catholics, Catholics, you know, and a couple of Greeks, you know. Um, so I'm in a bubble, so I wouldn't even be conscious of it all, except maybe when I go for, to the footy. But even at the footy, um, you know, things like the black-white issue, uh, you know, I can go to the footy for a whole year and not have that sort of um, even occur to me, you know. Like um, last week, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, was a dead-set star. But because he's Essendon, most of us pretty much forget that he's jet black, <laughs> you know. All we know is he's great, you know. And, you know, it's irrelevant. It, it becomes irrelevant, you know. Once, once people put on the red and black, um, you, you really forget. Uh, it's not relevant, you know, because as I've said, going to the footy is a little bit like going to mass. Um, and, you know, fairly proper Christians don't care what colour skin you've got as long as you're Catholic. If you're not Catholic, they do care. <laughs> Pick your identity. Pick your poison. Choose your poison. <laughs> All right. So, uh, but, you know, on the skin colour thing, which is what I want these episodes to try and be, even though it's outside my comfort zone and I'm not very good at speaking about that, which makes me well qualified to speak about it, as I always say. Anything I'm bad at speaking about, that's what I want to speak about you know, um, in these podcasts. Um, so, uh, yeah, the footy... I don't really perceive race. Um, so you might say, then why even talk about it? And I'll say one thing. Um, strangely enough, it hasn't happened whilst I've been at the footy, and I go every second week on average, you know, home games. I haven't seen what you might call racism um, at the footy, but we had a major blow-up. Uh, in the footy generally not too long ago and I'm not talking a little blow up but a major blow up such as uh, on a racial level such as I never even saw when I used to go to the footy back in the racist eras you know when I used to go to the footy when I was a kid you know we had an Aboriginal umpire back then and uh and you know he used to cop it you know your black bastard and all that sort of stuff you know like a little bit like your white maggot you know but it was racist, you know. Uh, well, I think it was racist anyway, as far as I can tell. Um, uh, they might, well, some of the people, you can't say. You'd have to interview every person who called him a black bastard. Some of them might have been, um, uh, you know, if he had red hair, you red-haired bastard. And they just hated him because he was an umpire. And they just picked on whatever, you know, was his distinguishing feature, you know. Now, you can say every single person who was calling him, I've forgotten his name, but he was a great, a great umpire. Um, he, he umpired a lot of games. Um, you could um, sort of say, um, they're all racist, uh, but you'd have to interview every single one of them. And you might say, well, I don't have to, they're all racist anyway. And I'll say, well, you'd have to interview every one of them. And they say, I don't have to. And I say, you do have to. And they say, I don't have to. And on it goes, you know. You can't actually finish, you can't actually resolve those disputes. So what you do is you let them go. Um, but one thing's hard to let go is, and I never saw anything like this before in my life, um, when I was young, um, we had a Nicky Winmar incident, yes. Um, but this was on another level, even beyond that.
just before I go on with that thought, uh, you might be uh, thinking, come on, sporty. Week after week you go to the footy, year after year, and you're saying you don't see racism. Um, We've been on Facebook, and we we listen to the news, and um, major incidents of racism, you know, fairly regularly, fairly regularly, uh, someone, you know, says some very bad abuse across to, you know, and the, uh, the player can hear it. You know, someone on the sidelines yells out something, you know, very bad. Um, and I said, but to that I'd say, well, you know, you've got a crowd of, um, well, Essendon game, we average around about 900,000 people per game, you know, because that's how good we are. Uh, you know, so every game you've got close to a million people at every game. And, um, and I'm just saying... Well, there's cameras and uh, audio equipment everywhere, and everyone's got an iPhone. So if someone amongst those four million people at the game uh, says something racist, you know, and it gets picked up, it can be plonked straight on Facebook and, and then reported in the news. And it is bad, you know. I'm going to talk about Adam Goods in a minute. Um, that's what I'm getting to if you hadn't guessed. Um, and it is bad, there's no doubt about it. It is racism and, you know, um, and, it, and it would be good and we really want that not to happen at all at the footy because it's, you know, it's a distraction. It upsets players and it upsets everybody, you know. Um, and it's bad, all right? So we do want it stamped out. But all I'm saying is um, if you don't go to the football and you just watch the news or Facebook or Twitter, um you would perhaps imagine in your mind that if you went to the footy, then every week you would probably hear something pretty bad, you know, something pretty racist. You know. But I would say, and uh, you know, you know how frank I am in these podcasts. If I, if I, um, I've got no reason not to sort of be frank. But um, I would say. Pfft, 10 years, I actually haven't personally heard anything racist from anybody. Not once, you know. Um, you say, rubbish. And I say, no, no, I've actually been, you know, that's a fact, you know. Yeah, you know, uh, and I'm not even that sure, you know, because your memory gets faulty. But when I was a kid, that was a much more, everyone was freer to be racist, per se, when I was younger. So you could call an umpire a black bastard if you had black skin, you know what I mean? Um, well, these days... Uh, someone got kicked out of the footy for calling an umpire a green maggot recently, which is interesting. Uh, times have changed. Maybe for the better. You know, someone called someone a green maggot. Uh, now, uh, umpires, are no, in the old days, they just wore white, the umpires. But these days, for colour clashing and TV and all that sort of stuff, um, we mix up the colours a little bit and, you know, more appealing on TV. So umpires sometimes wear green or other colours, you know. Uh and um, and the umpires this particular day were wearing green, and the umpire was called a green maggot. You know. uh, sorry, the um, uh, the the supporter called somebody a green maggot, an umpire a green maggot. Uh, but these days, when you go to the footy uh, up on the big screen, we're all sitting in seat numbers these days. That's different too. We used to just stand in the outer, just a 
a mob sitting on the outer. So if you yelled out something to somebody, if you called, you know, Peter McKenna a great big poof, <laughs> you would, you, nobody could actually dob you in. Number one, because, and, uh, um, and uh, by the way, I'm just paraphrasing the way language used to work when I was young. I would never say that now. Um, um, but he was Collingwood, so, you know, and he was trying to be one of the Beatles. So what else do you call him? No. See, that's the way we used to think, but we don't now. But, um, footsteps. That's what my father-in-law calls Peter McKenna. Oh, I've met Peter McKenna. He's a great guy. He's fantastic. And one of the great full forwards in history. Uh, they call him Footsteps because, uh, was it Mackenzie from Essendon? Now, this is almost before my time when I was a, a kid. But apparently, was it Mackenzie? Essendon player? Yes, you know, some of these players are before my time. Um, but if, Mc, I think it was Mackenzie, uh, ran through you, you were dead, you know. And uh, McKenna, who was to all into skill, he was skillful, you know. But he wasn't a brick wall. And apparently Mackenzie came charging towards him right in front of my father-in-law. Um, all my, you know, my in-laws and my side are pretty much Essendon um, culturally. Uh, so we, we have, you know, we, we haven't got a mixed marriage, my wife and I. Um, and, um, and Peter McKenna was first to the ball, but stepped away. <laughs> because he didn't want to get killed. Now... Peter McKenna might be listening to this and he might say, I did not. You know, my father-in-law might have made that one up. Um, I actually remember Peter McKenna playing, uh, even though I was a kid. Um, look, I'm going to go with my father-in-law on that one, <laughs> just because I don't like Collingwood. All right, now, what was I talking about then? Um, uh, I actually forget. I do forget. Oh, I'll have to let that go. It was good. Ah, yes. Uh, that one I, I remember now. Um, no, I don't. I went back and listened. Um, <clears throat> yes, so, I've been to the footy for years and years and years and I've never heard any racism. Well, um, and, th and that's because... Um, you would be if you don't go to the football. Uh, the way the media reports it, and the way people discuss it on social media, for example, you would imagine that if you went to the football, you know, odds on each week you would hear something very, very, very bad. You know, um, but you don't. You just don't. Um, and that's that. You just don't. All right. You don't have to believe me. <laughs> All right. Now. Um, yeah, so um, oh, there's, a, there's a saying at the moment, it stops with me, or something like that. Racism stops with me, you know. Like, we're going to stamp it out, you know. But uh, because of the way, because there are devices everywhere at the footy, you know, if there's, you know, seven million people, as there are at Essendon Games, reliably every week, um, if, if there are eight million people at the footy, um, there are eight million devices. And if someone, you know, you only need one person to say something shocking, which someone always will into the future, and, um, and it's captured on a device and it's in the news, and, you know, someone will comment on that news article, because people can do that, 
these days um, and say, I can't believe, you know, that this is still going in the in 2019. I can't believe that it's just as bad as it always was, you know. And, um, I'll make of that what you will. Um, you know, life. It stops with me. Look, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. It's a good thing. It's like stamp out um, deaths on the roads. Uh, it's, you know, really we should say if we're going to have cars still that still do 100 kilometres an hour, unless you're going to bring the speed limit down to, well, even 10 kilometres an hour, you'll eventually get someone getting killed. Um, um, you know, you'll roll over someone at 10 kilometres an hour and kill them. Um, yeah, we kind of go with this idea of minimising the road toll. Uh, and to a certain extent, I, I, you know, I think that you can only minimise racism. Uh, but at the footy, you can't stamp it out. But having said that, the way human psychology works, it is still good to have a slogan, it stops with me, you know. But it won't stop with you, no matter who you are. Uh, you know, and you might say you're working against what we're aiming for, and I say no, 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 um, no. Sorry, this is just in this podcast. I'm saying you won't stop it, but in the um, public domain, I'll say yes. Racism must be stamped out because that by by telling a lie like that, you'll minimise it best. You know, so you're being practical, you're being political to a certain extent. So yes, I'm happy to, you know, if someone interviewed me in the street, should racism be stamped out? I'll say, yes, you know, it must be stamped out, you know, I'll, I'll say that. I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to whisper, but it, but it never will be, you know, I'm not going to say that, you know, Galileo style, you know, he said, the earth is flat, you know, and then as soon as the cameras came off Galileo, he, he said, and yet it is round, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, make of all that what you will, you know what I mean, um, which is all you can do um yeah and you can say i'm a bad person for saying racism can't be stamped out you know but i'm working against you uh, but i'm not um all right now the one that blew up the one that blew up that was um adam goods and just the way it blew up and now Technically, that one can't be discussed because it has been decided. That was pure racism, you know. Um, the, even the football world, everyone, you know, white Australians, you know, everyone who is, um, everyone who is uh, commentating in the public domain, at least, is saying that was just sheer racism, all right? And this is football people, commentators, other footballers, everyone of all shapes and sizes and stripes, you know. And, you know, and there is a documentary out, which I haven't seen, a movie, about that whole incident. And apparently, if you go and see that movie, you walk out and you go, oh, my God, that's bad, you know. Adam Goods got hounded out of football. And he's one of our greats, by the way. Um... Yeah, I mean, I remember great games watching Adam Goods against Essendon. Um, one in particular when he played really well and we won, <laughs> which I pleased. I was very pleased about. <laughs> um, but he was brilliant that day. Um, 
And now, Adam Goods, apparently, if I went and saw that movie, um, I would uh, be disturbed. Now, I'm happy to accept that because um, a lot of people like me have gone to that movie and been disturbed, you know, um, and thought, oh my God, I feel like going around to Adam Goods' place and say, listen, mate, far out, I should have, uh, you know, I would have done even more. Um, I would have done more to have your back, mate, you know, had I been there. Um, you know, and so a lot of footballers have done that too. A lot of footballers have gone and seen the movie and then come out of it. Um, you know, and these are not footballers who you would call um, compassionate, lefty, sort of progressive um, freedom fighting lovers of you know all things beautiful and all that sort of stuff you know these are just ordinary footballs and they go to see the movie and they come out and they sh- you know I wouldn't be surprised if they suddenly you know pick up the phone and text Goodsy and say listen Goodsy far out you know I would have I should have done more you know um, all right so I'll take that on faith now I won't be going to see the movie probably. I may if it just comes up in front of me, uh, but not because I don't want to see the movie. It's just that I've seen no movie um, in at least five years. I've, I haven't seen one movie, and I'm planning to keep it that way because on a comp- for reasons nothing to do with Adam Goods, I don't go and watch movies, um, and I'm not on social media and a few other things because um, I uh, I have a zen for my personal use <laughs> it's my personal thing um that i don't want to be uh subject to algorithms as it were and even directors of movies are pushing you in one direction or another now having said that if i watch the movie even knowing that the director is probably going to want to push me in one direction and not the other even then, I think, even with that knowledge, apparently you walk out of that movie and still you want to get, ring up Goodsy and say, listen, mate, that's bad, you know, and I wish I had you back more, all right? So I'm just going to take that on faith, okay? Um, but um, why am I talking about Black White, Naz and Beagles? Well, um, I hadn't thought about the Goodsy episode, but... Um, it's occurred to me and I'm sort of thinking it is relevant you know people say don't talk about the black and white thing you know don't talk about it you know um don't talk about it so much but then again I haven't talked about it for years and years and years so you know you just caught me when I am talking about it I don't talk about it all the time uh if you had been listening to me talk for the last 10 years you'd probably hear me you probably would have heard me talking about um, completely other things, you know, because I move around. Okay, so that's that. So I think that all makes for a sort of interesting um, introduction. Oh, what was I talking about then? I think I was just, um, this, this little spiel here was to introduce a little chat at the end of last episode, last episode, um, and I managed to chat a fair bit just then look this is all going to come together somehow and I don't know how but here comes the bit that I was just then trying to intro or planning to intro okay um 
who knows whether it will whether it will all hang together or not i'll make it come together somehow after repeating myself a lot and so on bye but out of respect for naz um in the same way that i'm wanting to show respect to Biggles as well in these episodes, the racist Biggles, and also the potentially racist Naz, because if Naz had his way, I think he would, you know, he would unite the blacks against the white, and the blacks uh, would um, rise up above and do to the whites what the whites have done to the blacks, you know. And at that point in time, if and when Naz was successful, he would be a racist. He's not a racist yet because he's not in a powerful position. Well, he personally is, but you know, his idea of black is not um, superior yet. But he is trying to unite the blacks and get them in a superior position. And once they get in that superior position, if they follow his ideology, uh, you know, I think they would marginalise whites if they had the chance from listening to his lyrics no other reason, you know, he may have nuance I don't know about and um, and uh, I know he didn't do Old Town Road now I thought he had a, a different angle to him for a while there because I thought Old Town Road was by Naz but that turns out to be someone called Lil Naz X which is a different person so that tricked me. All right, but out of, res out of respect for Naz, I do want to investigate um, the idea that liberalism is a bad idea. Overall, the whole concept of liberalism should be thrown out and we should go back to kings and queens because I think that's what Naz thinks is a good idea. Now, out of respect for Naz, um, I should imagine he could be right. So, I'll investigate that. In what ways can liberalism go bad and cause less freedom for the people? The funny thing is, I've been... Uh, I, I, I called this entire series of episodes, 11 of them, uh, Naz and Biggles, as if they're... Uh, you know, both going for supremacy, you know, white supremacy in the case of Biggles and black supremacy in the case of Naz. Now, I really don't even know Naz much. You know, I've only, I only know what I've been fed. <laughs> you know, um, so I've only seen the lyrics I've seen. Um, and for all I know, he may, ha I think I mentioned this somewhere, but who's gonna listen to 15 hours of my talking to find a little comment about nuance uh, but somewhere along the line I said that he might be more nuanced um, and that it might not be black supremacy that he's going for Naz uh, and um, and you know all these episodes are uh, is, you know are talking about Naz the black supremacist you know and Biggles the white supremacist now if I got to know Naz better um, I would probably go, oh my goodness, he's not a black supremacist at all. He just, he's just trying to restore black pride, okay? He might be like that, he might be a great guy, you know? Um, I don't think Biggles is a great guy, uh, you know? Um, but Naz might be a great guy, 
I don't, I don't think even Biggles thinks Biggles is a great guy. I don't think even Captain W.E. Johns, who wrote the character of Biggles, thinks he's a great guy. Um, he's just a jaded and a jaded ex-Air Force, sorry, uh, a helicopter. Always a helicopter. I'm at the Royal Children's Hospital, so you'll often get a helicopter here. Okay, um, so, um, yeah, look, Biggles is, you know, probably someone who's got a bit of PTSD and he's a bit erratic and, you know, and he can be, he can cut up pretty rough and he can be really unfair. I don't think Captain W.E. Johns was trying to make him a sympathetic character. Um, and he's definitely racist, you know, in my book, in my book. Not, maybe not in your book, but in my book. Um, okay, Naz might be actually nothing like that. Um, so, Naz, um, just if, if, if Naz isn't this black supremacist that I'm talking about, then just imagine someone who is, who isn't Naz, but who is also called Naz, okay? Um, so, you know, another rapper called Naz, who is a black supremacist, you know? Um, uh, you know, just imagine, you know, there are white-hating blacks, there are black-hating whites. So, when I say Naz and Biggles, look, Biggles doesn't exist either, does he? So, you know, make them both fictional characters if you want. It doesn't ruin my point, you know. So, you know, when I say Naz and Biggles, make them metaphors for a white hater and a black hater, okay? Um, and, uh, you know, don't get, don't hang yourself by the apron strings of uh, technically who's who. <laughs> Then again, Naz might be a pig, like Biggles is a pig. You know, uh, let's, uh, all right, back to it. So, sporty, if you know so little of Naz's rap uh, that you can't comment on where he's coming from fully, um, shouldn't you go and listen to all his rap uh, so that you have educated yourself? Well, two things on that. I don't want to educate myself all that much. Remember, I'm into I'm a, a research-free zone. I'm not researching anything for this podcast. Whatever's in my head is in my head. If it comes to me, I'll listen to it. And if it doesn't, I won't go looking for it. That's number one. But number two, uh, I've li- the, the stuff I've listened to from Naz so far vexes my spirit. So I don't want to listen to any more, even if it might illuminate me. That's the introduction finished. And this episode somehow needs to bring two different but related ideas together. And that is, you know, the overall series of parts that is this series called Naz and Biggles wants to uh, talk about the black-white thing. And... and you know, in my mind, one of the reasons now, suddenly, I don't want to drop it just yet, is the whole Adam Goods thing. Because that was, a, that was the biggest one I've 
uh, had contact with. Now, my goddaughter, uh, she has con- she is in contact with people who have that whole issue going on in another sphere that I'm not involved in. All right, so I'm in the football world, so I was in touch with the Adam Goods thing. Uh, she is in the rap world, so you know she knows about it a lot and hip hop. Um, sounds like, you know, Skippy the Bush Kangaroo, doesn't it? Um, anyway, she's in that whole hip hop and rap world. I was talking to my sister the other day, actually, speaking of Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. Oh, there was a band I used to know, Fun House. Oh, a Melbourne band. And the last song they always did was Skippy the Bush Kangaroo and um, Mosh Pit, you know, the whole bit. When I was young, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all dignified now because I'm 56, you know. But back when I wasn't dignified, uh, in the mosh pit with Fun House doing Skippy the Bush Kangaroo as the last song in their set, being in that mosh pit was a good way to get seriously injured. And uh, I actually remember, I can't even remember the lead singer's name, but, you know, we... We were regulars, <laughs> and um, and I remember him leaping out backwards into the mosh pit on one occasion, and like Moses parting the waves, for some reason the mosh pit parted at that instant, and he landed flat on a broken glass, and was bleeding profusely, but kept singing. So, you know, that's dedication. Oh. Gee, Australian culture. I just love it. Anyway, um, so, yes, yeah, Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. What was I talking about? Um, I forget what I was talking about there. Um, yeah, I really do. Anyway, so, yeah, my, um, oh, rap. <laughs> like, I mean, hip-hop. Okay. All right, got it. I'm back. Sorry, phone call yet again. Um, so... Those are the two ends that I want to bring together. Uh, the whole black, white, Naz, Biggles, what the hell happened with that whole Adam Goods episode. Now, you may have an opinion on that Adam Goods episode, and, and that opinion most likely is, going by what I hear in the public domain, that it was just all sheer racism, and that's that simple, you know, in which case I don't trust you, because I rarely find things are simple or that simple anyway it's that simple you might say and I say no no look even if you say it's that simple I am me and I'm going to find something more complicated about it you mustn't you might say well I will you can't stop me because it's a podcast and it's not Facebook on the other hand, you might be on the other side of the fence and say it was simple, he was just a sook, you know, um, or something like that, you know. In which case, I say, it's not that simple. I'm sure there was huge racism involved, I might say. You say, it's, there wasn't. It was just, you know, um, it was all his fault, you know, you might say. And I say, well, I refuse to accept that. And you say, you should accept that. And I say, I won't, because this is a podcast and it's not Facebook, you know. So if you are on the left or the right, I'm your enemy right here. Now that's, doesn't, that's not a problem, of course, because you don't care, because you're not listening. Because <laughs> who would? Who would be listening this far into uh, this sort of podcast? Nobody. I'm talking to myself, so it's fine. Okay, so that's that. 
But now I want to tie those two ends together, Naz and Beagles and all that, black and white. What the hell happened with Adam Goods? Um, and also try and tie that in with, now that might be a little bit hard, but I'm going to give it a go, I reckon. Liberalism as destruction. Because somehow I feel that liberalism has, is a factor in how all this has come about. Yeah, because oh, obviously mobs have been discriminatory against each other forever, even before liberalism came along, but it seems to have got white hot after liberalism came along, and especially after slavery on a grand scale came along. Slavery has always been a part of the picture in the ancient world, but there was something about that black-white thing. All right, helicopter coming, so that's a good time to stop, and, um, and I'll try and tie those two ends together. Okay, so uh, I'm on my way home from work, and all right, I'll set myself a challenge to try and wrap this up. Uh, and the things I've got, I think, listed as things I need to wrap up in this episode are the whole out of goods thing. Imagine wrapping that up in a minute. <laughs> I won't be doing it in a minute. <laughs> but, um,. Naz, which is a different kettle of fish. Um, Adam Goods, Indigenous Australia champion footballer, um, was driven out of the game. You know, and even if some of the people who were booing him and driving him out of the game were doing it for reasons other than racism, um, it still drove him out of the game. Um, too complicated. Right, now... Uh, so there's him. There's uh, Naz. And he's got a point, you know. I should call him that. He's got a point, Naz, you know. Pauline Hansen's got a point, Hitler's got a point, Naz has got a point. Everyone's got a point. Um, now that's Naz. So try and wrap him up as well. Naz likes to see, you know. Naz is one of those rappers that never ever stops pouring his soul out or his heart is it heart and soul or his fury you know his opinion never ever stopping going on and on and on and in that sense he's my brother yeah. you may think that what am I up to 11 episodes of this um, series called Naz and Biggles, you might think I go on and on and on, but no more than Naz does, you know. So, if you're okay with Naz going on and on and on, but not me, um, then maybe I'm not rhyming enough. <laughs> Alright, so Naz, wrapping him up. That's another challenge. Biggles and Captain W.E. Johns, wrapping those guys up. You know, and and to my ear, they're racists of a previous era, but perhaps not racist in their era, you know, I don't, um, I'll just leave it at that, 
would I be any different if I could go back in time to their time um, than they are? Well, I can go back into their time because I read all the people's books when I was a kid, roughly when they were being written. Um, and, oh, I was a kid, so that gets me out of jail. But the point is, um, everyone around me was encouraging me to read the Beagle's books. I know my mum, and if she had known what was in those Beagle's books, she probably wouldn't have let me read them. I know her very well. Look, my mother is, what she might, she wants us to flip completely over to indigenous ways of thinking. Well, not quite, but, um, the way she's brought us up is, um, you know, the way she has conditioned me, um, you know, and to that I've added my own conditioning, and other people have conditioned me as well, is to want um, an Australia, for example, that would be a, a marriage between Indigenous culture and European culture, and if that couldn't be achieved then for all Europeans just to get the hell out of here and leave it to the Indigenous people, that sort of thing. Um, so that's, you know, my conditioning. And that probably comes out, even though I'm trying to be, um, not be, uh, not have a social conscience in these podcasts, uh, it probably comes out that I've slightly got that attitude, even though I'm trying to not have it for the purposes of this podcast. All right, so Biggles. So what have we got? Naz. Adam Goods, right, those three guys, colour is a huge deal. Now, for me personally, in my real life, it's not a huge deal, right? So, in my real life, um, I would probably think you can over-talk about it to a destructive level, okay? Uh, But, um, for all these three guys, you could probably not over-talk it. And what, about, what right do I have to tell Naz you're talking about it too much, you know? I didn't grow up with his life experience. Um, if I was brought up, you know, if I was Naz, I might be the same as him, depending on my personality type. Now, there are other people who have the same background as Naz and don't end up like Naz. And, um, and, and there was this other guy, AB, who I mentioned who seems to be a bit like Naz as well, um, into rap, and um, is he hypnotised by Naz? I don't know. Uh, or has he come up with this? Because um, he's not African-American, but he acts like it. All right. He's Ethiopian, you know, got nothing to do with African-Americans, technically, maybe. Um, yeah, he's Ethiopian, so never colonised, you know, was never a slave. He was, a, he was a slaver, not a slavey, all that sort of stuff. But the world economy, he could argue, is rigged against uh, places like Ethiopia, and that's possible. Um, but that's a lot narrower a criticism to level at the east, at the west. Well, and the east as well now, isn't it, China? Yeah. Uh, China's piling a lot of money into Ethiopia at the moment. Yeah, but China could pull the pin any moment. Hey, um, Trump's tri- Trump's got uh, Donald Trump. Do you know him? Yeah, Trump has got some tariff, oh, tariff war going on, a trade war going on with China, and China may just um, turn off the tap to Ethiopia any day. Yeah. 
But anyway, that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Dr. Abby, the current Prime Minister, might be in a lot of trouble and riots may drop out. May start, people might start getting killed again and everyone will say it's Dr. Abby's fault. Ah, but it could be Donald Trump's fault, isn't it? Because often... Um, wealth. Um, whether the money, you know, when the people, when the money comes rolling in, people don't ask questions. You're a good leader if the people have food in their bellies. You know, there was uh, there's been some great Roman emperors um, who ended up disastrous Roman emperors simply because you know the plague came through. You know, um, in fact, I think. Uh, Rome was making a huge comeback. When was it? They had the crisis of the third century. Um, Rome should have fallen right then. Rome should have been dead. You know, it had a refugee crisis. The refugees came into Europe, and um, and uh, the Europeans, let's say, you know, and by the Europeans at that point in time, I'm talking Euro from you know. To, um, Greek sort of word, isn't it? Roman, Greco-Roman. Uh, Europe at that time, um, yeah, a lot. They wanted to let. They wanted to have a controlled immigration policy, but it ended up uncontrolled because there was a big war in that foreign land, and all the refugees came flooding in and ended up destroying, yeah, you know, uh, killing off Rome, killing off Europe. Europe was destroyed. Rome itself, the city, was sacked. Milan was levelled, you know, this sort of thing. And Milan was the capital at the time too, I think. And um, so, you know, refugee crisis of the uh, 3rd century. Um, and, yeah, there was racism involved. You know, the, um, the refugees weren't well accepted. Uh, and you can blame the Romans just the ordinary Roman people for that. But the fact of the matter is, you weren't going to change the Romans and the way they think anyway. So, uh, gee, that's a confusing one. Should the Romans have let the refugees in or should they have put walls up and you say, um, that's tricky, isn't it? Because they should have let the refugees in even in the full knowledge that it was going to bring utter destruction to themselves um, because they weren't going to be re-educated. I can't get to the bottom of that one. Uh, all right. If you were a, an activist back then, you've got two choices, or maybe three. Either make all the Romans more compassionate so that they won't be racist against the refugees... And then let all the Rome, you know, and, and then let all the refugees in. All right, an activist, would, what would you do back then in the third century? You know, see, I'm really confused here. You know that the refugees are not going to be accepted. All right then, you know, because you know the Romans, you know your fellow Romans. You know they're not going to be accepted. Now, next thing, you've got a choice. Um, let them all in, and that, that was millions. You know, like it was, it actually altered the, um, the landscape of uh, Europe at the time. Uh, it altered the demographics completely, you know. Um, all right, you kind of know, all right, you're sitting in, Ro in the Roman Empire, and you know that if you let the refugees in, 
you know your fellow Romans and you know it's going to destroy everything. And that will be the end of the Roman Empire and cometh the Dark Ages and um, absolute misery, you know. The Dark Ages weren't so dark in every possible way, but it was awful, you know. So for the next, whatever, 500 years, uh, 700 years, 800 years, billions of people are going to live in abject misery, um, filth and all that sort of stuff, um, and, and basically go completely backwards, feral. Um, now, you know that's going to happen, but you've got a million, you know, we're talking billions of people over, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, right, you know that that's going to happen, but you've got all these refugees on the border who are victims of a, um, a savage um, sort of war, and this is very similar to the Syria thing, isn't it? Um, but you know it's good. they're going to, they're probably going to, the refugees, once they come in, they won't be accepted, they'll get angry, the Romans will get angry back, um, it'll all go to the dogs, and eventually the, the refugees, you know, will rise up and just absolutely cause mayhem and then end up taking over and turning the whole shebang into a, a feudal land with walled castles everywhere, you know, because... Um, before then, um, Rome was quite an open uh, sort of civilization. You could wander all over Europe, you know, um, the Europe of the time, and you Roman roads, and you wouldn't encounter walls everywhere. But now we're talking castles, people hiding behind castles, and um, yeah, mayhem. Okay, would you let them in? Would you bring them in? knew what was going to happen. Um, no, don't know what I'd do. Um, I'd probably try and have a controlled immigration pro program. And that's what the Romans did. They tried to have a controlled immigration program. and But once they let X number, and it was quite a few, they let quite a few refugees in from this um, slaughter that was happening to those refugees. And uh, they let some in, and quite a few in, um, over the river, over the over the uh, Rhine, and, um, and, but then once a few got in, the rest just flooded in, the Rome, even the Romans couldn't stop them. Well, they could have, but it would have been pretty brutal. All right, yeah, they probably couldn't at the time. But anyway, okay, so that's that. Oh, and by the way, the refugees were German, and um, the, 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 the savagery was at the hands of the Huns. Okay, the Huns were coming across the top of Europe, slaughtering Germans, and the Germans flooded into Europe, and then eventually the Germans sacked Rome and Milan, and basically took over and controlled everything from then on, you know. And that's why we've got France now, because the Franks, they were Germans, you know. And that's why we've got Anglo-Saxon England, you know, because it used to be Roman, and now it's Anglo-Saxon, the Germans, you know, and so on and so forth. And that's why, yeah, oh, I could keep going. Um, all right. Um, what, so Biggles, Naz, getting to the bottom of all those guys, um, liberalism, now getting to wrapping all that up, you know, I've probably got about 15 minutes before I get home, I'm going to try and do it, wrap up this episode by the time I get home, there's a jump, coming through Carlton and I have to get to Essendon, okay, 15 minutes, now, um, and I'm going to take my time.
In fact, I might just stay silent for 15 minutes or put a song on instead. Uh, actually, there was a... I might pull over. There's a fantastic song on at the moment. Yeah, I'm going to waste some time because that challenge is not hard enough. And uh, to some extent, after... In fact, I want to wrap up this entire series of podcasts um, now which is about 11 episodes, because I've been slowly, slowly building up to this um, as a climax. And guess what? I can't find my phone. I bet you I've left it at work, which would be absolutely fantastic. And because I want to wrap it all up, I'm going to just waste time now. I've actually got a problem. Oh, I won't put on the song. I was going to put on the song Anthony McDonald, Tip of Woody. Yeah, Anthony McDonald, Tip of Woody, playing footy. <laughs> Great song. Google it yourself. You know, I would have played it just then, uh, just because um, I'm putting off having to wrap all this up because I, I already know I can't. <laughs> all right, I'll give it a go. Okay, what do I think? Liberalism, the destruction of the world. Well, my answer to that, will liberalism destroy the world? Some people say, no, yeah, this is the way to go, you know. And some people say, yes, absolutely, you know, environmentalists. We are on a path to destruction. Nukes will kill us all, you know. You know. So that's the approach most people have, you know. No, you know, if we stay the course and liberalism will see us through, you know. Um, and the other one. No, it will not. The environment is stuffed. Yeah. Stuffed, I tell you. Um, we're finished. Yeah. And they all speak with certainty because they're on social media. Right, me? Well, my answer is... It might destroy the world and it might not. <laughs> I'll tell you later once I find out, you know. Um... In, uh, it'll be in the next 40 years uh, the, the sea levels will be up to Mount Macedon you know I'll, I'll tell you what I'll, I'll get back to you I'll do a, a, another episode in 40 years and I'll let you know whether that came true okay that's my response um, okay but um, liberalism um, all systems are prone to bring destruction so alright I will say something about it all systems are prone to bring on destruction because um, it's like it's like um, wealth you know um, if you try capitalism there's a problem with capitalism for example you try and set the rules um, so that it's kind of fair you know what I mean as fair as you can be right but there's always people and it doesn't matter what system it appears no matter what you do, people find a way around it, you know. So, and it spins out of control. So, you know, my feeling is you know, the perfect society is would be kind of Australia, but with a, li- a lot more um, engagement with Indigenous people. You know, I feel because they happen to come from Australia. So my perfect system would be to have, you know, and this is just off the top of my head, Australia, but with not 
inviting Indigenous, uh, not just recognising Indigenous people, but engaging with them to create a a a, 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 a new Australia that gets the best out of both, you know. And then, yeah, and this is theoretical, and then layering in, trying to get the best out of other systems, like, you know, like Islam and all that sort of stuff, you know, and religion and all that sort of stuff, trying to get the balance of all that going. Now, the funny thing is, I think Australia is trying to do that. You might have, there are, you know, there are people that say Australia is a shocking place and a horrible place. But do you know I think it's doing its best? And I'm not sure anyone else is doing any better um, in the world. And I'm not sure that any other culture in our shoes would be doing any better. You know? And AB, if you're out there listening, if, if the, our roles were avoided, you know, you're an Ethiopian, and you know, you had Aksum long, long time ago, the Aksumite Empire. Um, was Aksum, the Aksumite Empire, better than the British Empire? In, you know, ticking all sorts of boxes around what you think is a good society. Um, I don't know. Look, that's, you know. Anyway, I think Australia is doing its best, you know. And, it, and its best is not good enough. It's the worst country in the world, except for all the other countries. You know? All those sort of comments you could make. Now, as to a liberal society bringing the world to its knees, um, back in the old t- old days, it was hard for one system to bring the whole world down to its knees. But the only thing that liberalism has got going for it, if it wanted to bring the world to its knees, is you know when the Roman Empire fell, 473 or whatever it was, you know that was only one portion of the planet, and it was actually a fairly small portion of the planet, smaller than Australia, I think. Oh, well, maybe a little bit bigger. But, you know, Europe's smaller than Australia, isn't it? And um, the Western Roman Empire is smaller than Australia. Anyway, uh, when that fell, it was contained, you know, because Rome wasn't that big, which is a strange thing to sort of say, <laughs> just listening to it. Um, but now, the one thing liberalisation has brought in is globalisation, and um, a real idea of we are all one humanity um, and all that sort of thing, you know. So there are people who say no borders, you know, because they think they, they can imagine a utopia around those, on those lines, you know, get rid of nations um, as, as it were and, you know, let the internet um, and let Facebook, you know, rule the world in a sort of d- democratic way, free communication, you know, click a link to vote for whatever you want um, so that you can have a referendum on every possible issue, you know, so even if, you know, whether we should change, go from milk cartons to milk bottles again, you know, have a worldwide referendum and 7 billion people can vote on that on their smartphones, you know, on their iPhones, okay, that sort of thing, you know. So people imagine that, but, um, and that, that's, that is one way that liberalism could absolutely destroy the world in one fell swoop, because if if Julius Caesar had have walked into a world like that, Julius Caesar brought the whole of Rome to its knees, um, and you know declared himself king of the universe, um, his universe. Now imagine if Rome had have been right around the world, you know, one globalized community. Now 
it could be a utopia like you know the compassionate progressives say you know we could achieve a, a beautiful compassionate one world everybody loving each other and all that sort of stuff let's just imagine that you know that love conquers you know love wins let's imagine love wins finally all right i reckon looking at humans that one more generation after that maybe two a julius caesar type or a trump type or a um an alexander the great maybe you know or a muhammad you know or even a religious zealot like jesus might come along and you might think that's a great thing if you're a christian but um think about it you know because i'm um, in salem they hung cows and these were you know just nice intelligent white people <laughs> as the racist would say and they hung cows because the cows were you know like on a, on a scaffold or a rope around a tree or something you know like they were Ku Klux, Ku Klux Klan or something anyway they hung cows because they were possessed by the devil that's what could happen even if Jesus you know, another Jesus came a second coming alright so that's Straight off the top of my head, uh, you can probably think of 50 other ways that liberalism could bring down the world, but I think liberalism has ushered in globalisation, and um, I think there are people trying to um, bring uh, make the borders stronger again, which could at least, you know, like the compartments on the Titanic, such that if one one compartment um, goes, you know, gets uh, falls to bits, you know, or gets filled with water in the case of the Titanic. If one compartment um, gets flooded um, by some tyrant or something, the rest is still standing. You know? But if you had no borders, I think a tyrant would come up eventually. You know, not too long either. Tyrants always come up. And the nicer and more beautiful and more tolerant the society, the more, um, you know, the tyrant, you know, it's... it's, it's um, it, it's almost a case of too easy. You know, a tyrant will rise, very popular with billions of people instead of millions, as it was, you know, it was millions with Julius Caesar. But it'd be billions. Suddenly, you'd find five billion people, and this person would be charismatic, good-looking, everything going, intelligent. Um, yeah, actually, he might even be a really nice guy, you know. And um, and he comes in and he sweeps to power on some sort of ticket, you know of some sort of reform he's going to do to make the world even better. Um, and he sweeps to power and um, and then his son, and he, he declares himself God, you know, because they do that, the tyrants, declares himself king and God. And then his son is called, he's get, his son is named Caligula. And then away we go. A bit of fun, you know. I think liberalism could do that. It did it to Rome. Okay. So, if, yeah, if you're a no-borders sort of person, um, you know, someone, uh, the next Hitler might thank you. You might get everything you want, you know. You might get everything you want if you open all the borders and make the world one community. You may get everything you want for about 20 years. And then some dictator is going to come up, or some son of a dictator, and that dictator, or that son of a dictator, is going to say, thank you very much. 
You just gave me the whole planet. All right, so that's liberalism, and I think liberalism could destroy the world. If we'd never had liberalism, I think we would have had Tim Pot, um, strong men, dictators all over the world, kind of isolated for each other. We would never have had the technology that would allow... Um, yeah, I, I doubt it. We would never have had the technology without liberalism that would allow, um, number one, something like the scramble for Africa, you know, um, that would not have been possible. Um, Rome was about as, you know, it was a one-off, and you would have had, the, 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 um, the planet would have been the Titanic, um, except, you know, very unlikely to hit an iceberg in that way. The Titanic got a little bit unlucky. It should have hit the iceberg head on, you know. All right. Um, that's that. You know, that's, so I think liberalism is the best chance for the destruction of the planet. And I think that's because of globalization. Yeah, because it managed to achieve globalization. The s- sort of globalization that Napoleon would have dreamed about. Napoleon would have loved it. Okay. So that's that. Now, um, the black-white thing. Um, I should try and come up with something amazing to wrap that up with. Um, all I'll say is that I know I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm going to end that one with a whimper, not a bang. You know. Um, I just know two guys, and they're both Ethiopian. Ethiopian. One's called AB, and the other one's called T. You know. I'm just giving them code names. Um, I'm not going to make a judgment about AB or T. All I know is AB gives T a sick feeling in the guts. They're both Ethiopian, by the way, so this is not me making commentary, but AB makes T feel sick in the guts because AB hates whites. Okay? And T is just an ordinary bloke who just wandered around. Yeah, he's, he's got a great job. He's actually got the same job as me. Um, uh, we both, we're both in IT. Um, you know, he's, a, he's a professional and I'm a professional. Um, but um, he's got kids. I've got kids. Um, his kids and my kids, you know. Uh, at the moment, our kids are young and are not aware of all this stuff that I'm talking about. And at the moment, you know, if they get together... Um, the skin colour and all that is irrelevant to them. Um, T, uh, probably correctly, uh, might be feeling sick in the guts when AB listens to, you know, uh, binges on rap music like Naz. He might be... Why is he feeling sick in the guts? It's because he probably knows that... um, his kids and my kids are going to end up too conscious of each other's colour, and that really spoils things. Yeah. And yet, I have to be respectful for, to AB. Why is AB different from T? How did they become different? They come from the same place, in even the same sort of area in Ethiopia. How did one become so different to the other, and which one is right? Okay. Um, you, you, if you met T, you wouldn't be aware of his skin colour. And that is because, you know, unless you're a racist, you know, but if you're a normal person, um, and, you know, I haven't defined racism, uh, actually, I'll finish, I, I will come back to this episode right at the end, and I'll, I'm going to grab my big fat Mac out of, 
the back of my car. I carry my dictionary everywhere. Um, I've got the, you know, the the big Macquarie, um, which is our national dictionary, which is the last word, um, so to speak. Uh, there's no better word on, and I'm going to look up the definitions because I've been rambling in a vague way about definitions of words like liberal, you know, um, racism, you know, socialism, all those sorts of words. I'm going to read a couple of definitions and see how well they stack up against mine. Now, I already know that the Macquarie, for example, on a word like liberal, will, um, will, uh, I actually saw the definition that I can't remember it, but I know it's got many parts, you know, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, you know what I mean? Um, all these different alternative definitions of liberalism uh, and the word liberal, um, and some of them are in conflict with others. So dictionaries are funny like that. Dictionaries won't give you the definition of liberal. They will tell you how people in Australia use the word liberal. And then if you pick up an American dictionary, it'll give you a different set of definitions of liberal. So if you go to a dictionary to find out what the word liberal means, you've come to the wrong place because it'll give you 15 different meanings for the word liberal, which reflect the 15 different ways that people in Australia use the word, you know, the main 15 ways, you know, um, the people, people, you see, and this is the difference between, this is why I like things like the big fat Mac, the Macquarie, because it doesn't try and resolve things, you know, everyone sort of says, I want to get, you know, this is, you hear people saying this, I want to get to the bottom of what liberalism is, right, and they concentrate, you know, they obsess, and they, they, they speak to wise people, you know, they ring them, and they, they, text them and they say, um, tell me, oh wise one, I need to learn, you know, you said you're a good teacher, teach me, what is liberalism? And if that person, you know, gives any singular definition, then that person is, well, both those people are idiots, the teacher and the student, you know, all right, you know what I Okay, um, uh, but, um, so that's that, you know, liberalism, you know, racism. I might look up those and find out what the definitions in the dictionary at least are. The racism one will be interesting. Uh, my personal definition is, it is something to do with, um, uh, number one, sort of marginalising someone else because of physical characteristics. And I think it's a hell of a lot to do, racism is linked to, um, skin colour um, and not to hair colour for example you know red I don't think there's racism against redheads you know I think it's very skin colour related and um, and as to the reason for that well I've, I've you know danced around that for the last 11 episodes you know, so it's there somewhere deep buried in all my episodes you know, the main thing I pinned that on that Europeans got a technological and scientific jump at one stage in their history, which wasn't long ago, and because of that they thought they were superior, yeah? and they got wealthy internally, and then they used that wealth to, to further strip, to strip wealth out of the other countries. So they got wealthy all by themselves. They didn't get wealthy by, in the first instance, they did not get wealthy on the back of, you know, say Africa. They did not get wealthy on the back of Africa. The initial wealth, 
they got all they 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 managed to achieve all by themselves you know but then they became mega wealthy by using the power that gave them to strip the other countries of their wealth you know as humans do whatever their color and um and then when they were successful successful at that they felt even more superior you know out of the you know stratospherically um more superior you know mesospherically more superior and culminate you know and um, climaxing in finally the biggles books all right um where biggles is is very much a, a, a cut above anyone who's any other sort who, who isn't british you know british and german sophisticated and intelligent everyone else um not yeah it was important for the germans to be um sophisticated and intelligent number one because the british kind of know their germans as well but also um if england won the war you see and if england won the war it serves them best to feel that the germans were a worthy opponent you know because and so the germans had to be a super, you know the british kind of wanted the germans to be a master race and a super race and the greatest um the the greatest geniuses ever and for them to have then beaten them <laughs> you know it's a way you gotta if you, sometimes if you have defeated someone you have to then step two is to tell everyone how amazingly powerful they were you know a little bit like the ancient greeks you know the spartans when they were talking about the persians they defeated um you know maybe that was a million people that um 300 spartans defeated you know but now it's a billion people as time has gone on you know something like that all right now i've come home um that's the end of the episode i'll finish off with the definition because I'm, I'm two minutes away from home this entire I, um there is no real conclusion you know i've done 11 episodes now i'm finishing this whole black white thing off finished uh because i don't normally talk about it and now i'll not talk about it again for the next 10 years you know um but it was fun while it lasted um and i'm almost home and that's the end um there is no conclusion i have no clean conclusion because i don't want one it's the journey not the destination my mum says and my kids are just about to jump in the car bye bye did a pretty bad job before uh, while I was driving along wrapping that episode up and this series of podcasts up I could delete it uh, but I, I I'm just not going to uh, but I'm going to have another crack forget about uh, looking up dictionaries and all that sort of stuff that sounds like too much hard work and it's 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 against the Zen of these podcasts anyway yeah 
I'm a, this is a no research zone. It's not an academic work. And it's not here to find answers. Or, and it's not here to get to the bottom of things. And it's not here to find truth. It's just here for, to explore and have a chat and keep things loose and messy. Alright, so I will do that however I do feel after about 15 or 55 hours of um, a series of podcasts called Naz and Biggles, which touched on areas such as, you know, um, areas such as liberalism versus authoritarianism, um, you know, divine rule versus freedom for the people, apparently and theoretically, you know, and all that came of that, you know, and all sorts of things like human rights and racism and anti-racism and all those sorts of things after having sort of wandered along that subject for 15 or 55 hours I really should wrap, try and wrap it up a little bit better um, but you know, as usual showing complete contempt for my listeners I won't even bother uh, um, deleting that last segment I'll just let it sit there because you know that allows you to have switched off before you even got to the, got to this bit which might be better and, and you know, more of a, a good wrap up uh, and, you know, you may be gone by the time you even hear it, which is ideal, because that's part of the Zen too. Too, you know, it's, uh, the, you, you're at your most pure when you're speaking by yourself and you're not trying to speak for an audience, you know. So I'm looking... Now, I am on... I am putting podcasts up, so obviously, you know, I sort of... You know, I could just sit in my room and just talk to the, talk to the wall... So I'm, I'm putting it up at least, so I'm, I must want to be heard by at least one or two or three people, but I'm pretty sure it's no more than three or four or five. Actually, I'd put it at five people. Now, none of those five people will listen to the lot. All right, so that's that. All right, so let's try again. I'll try and be a bit more wrap-up-ish. Um, okay, and I'll after all this effort of talking and chatting... I'll, I'll give my best impression of each of the main things I talked about. Okay, so a liberalism, liberalism, right. Um, my best uh, wrap-up of that, right, I think liberalism is uh, the thing that came about as a result of first the Renaissance, then the Enlightenment, so I think it came out of Europe. Uh, you can disagree with all of this, you know. I'm not here to try and put stuff out of my head into your head. In fact, if you disagree, I reckon it's better, you know. Um, but I think, as far as I can tell, it was a movement or a change that occurred um, out of the Renaissance and the Enlightenment. Right, what happened? There had been this uh, idea of liberalism, the liberal arts, um, you know, democracy and all that, back in ancient Greece and Rome, and they would have drawn on ideas from other places. Um, Naz um, notes, you know, has probably heard that a couple of little things came up from Africa to Greece and Rome, and he spins that um, in his songs, and I, I have seen lyrics to that effect, you know, if you know, 
his people taught the Greeks and Romans one thing, and now I don't know who his people are, you know, he's an African-American, you know, with a, a you know, the kind of slave history, um, so absolutely feels sort of compassion for him on that level, but his people, did they teach the Greeks and the Romans anything? Well, I know the Egyptians did, but I don't know whether his people did, um, but they may have, right. But even the Egyptians, to the extent that they fed ideas across to Roman Greece, and you know, Roman Greece fed them back too, but to the extent that they, that even Egypt um, fed ideas to Greece and Rome, which it did, you know, Alexander the Great, um, when he went back to Egypt, when he went to Egypt, you know, it was like a pilgrimage, you know, and you wouldn't get a Greek making a pilgrimage to Egypt if Egypt didn't matter, would you? Um, so, you know, um, he thought he was the god of Egypt too, did Alexander. Um, now, Naz thinks he's Egyptian, but then Alexander thought he was too. Now, I'd love to get Naz and Alexander in the same room and let them fight it out as to who's got the better claim on Egypt. You know, Naz will say, Egypt is the Africans, you know. And, um, and, and Alexander the Great, um, it'd be a, it'd be a good fight, wouldn't it? It'd be a good fight. Naz would be there rapping, 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 you know. Alexander would probably put a sword through him. All right, so that's that out of the way. Naz and Alexander are sorted out. Um, now, um, so to the extent that, um, yeah, so there were, you know, uh, yeah, what, what Naz does in his raps, and this is what he would be telling Alexander, Naz suspects that Greece and Rome got some ideas, you know, maybe a few gods, you know, whatever, that fed into, you know, and this is called culture sharing, isn't it, around the Mediterranean. Of course there was culture sharing, you know. I don't know whether Naz was from the Mediterranean, but he's claiming the Mediterranean anyway. All right, um, because it happens to be, you know, some of it happens to be on the continent of Africa, so he says, that's me, you know. Now, I don't know whether he was sub-Saharan or uh, super-Saharan, <laughs> um, above Sahara, um, uh, but whatever. Who cares? We're not doing DNA tests in this podcast. Now, so, Greece and Rome, nevertheless, wherever they got the ideas from, I think it was, I think they came up with most of it themselves. Naz says that um, they got some things from, uh, up from Babylon and, uh, well, he doesn't, know. he doesn't claim Babylon, I don't think. All right. But look, Rome and Greece did get some ideas from other places. Duh. <laughs> We used to say that when we were kids, duh. Um, and Naz says, because they got some things from other places, such as Egypt, um, then, says Naz, Egypt taught Greece and Rome everything they know. Now, that's Naz logic. I don't mind saying that. I've read his lyrics. That's Naz logic. And then Naz says, step two, given Egypt is on the same continent as Sub-Saharan Africa, then that means that Sub-Saharan Africa also, you know, can claim the glory for the Egyptians teaching the Greeks 
and Romans, everything the Greeks and Romans know, you know, so there's two huge leaps you have to make there, huge leaps. And if you listen to rap and you've got stars in your eyes, which I think AB has got, and you're willing to believe everything you read from someone like Naz, hook, line and sinker, you know, whereas I won't even believe a professor. Um, and I'm a white man, and I won't believe a white professor, you know. I am full of doubt about those guys, full of doubt. But Naz is in no doubt about himself, and people who, a lot of people, young, impressionable minds who listen to rap music are, are in no doubt either. Okay, so, look, this is ending, ending up um, longer than the one I did before, just as rambling, but I think it's adding a bit, so I'm going to keep going. Um, this is the wrap-up for the whole series, Naz and Biggles. Right, um, Adam Goods, I never ended up talking about him in the end much, um, but that one span out so badly out of control that it's almost undiscussable. Undiscussable, almost, you know. Uh, you can't discuss it in the public domain. I don't think I, you know, I'm, you know I, I'm a fool where angels fear to tread. Is that the right saying? Um, and I'm very, you know, I'm not shy. I'll talk about anything I damn well feel like. <laughs> damn well feel like. Um, here. Uh, but I don't know what to add to that. It, it really did spin right out of control. Um, and just the relentless booing um, of Adam Goods. And they booed him right out of the game, you know. Um, uh, because um, he called someone out, you know, like there was a, a 13-year-old girl, I think it was a 13-year-old girl, had, taught, you know, yelled out something from the boundary line, um, you know, called him an ape or something like that, you know. And he um, pointed her out and, you know, called her the face of racism, you know. And, you know, I dare say he had a point, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I didn't um, psychoanalyze the 13-year-old girl in, girl in question. Um, you know, I don't know where that comment came You know, I can't be absolutely sure where that comment came for, from in her head. I didn't interview her myself. But, you know, he pointed to her. But then a lot of people reacted against that badly, you know. Um, but then he might have had a point too, and I think he did have a point that it is an issue regardless of what was in that 13-year-old girl's head, you know, um, and it spans so badly out of control, but, um, a real champion of our game, and, uh, someone, you know, I, I was always amazed at watching, you know, in terms of how we can possibly defeat this guy, because he wasn't on my team, Essendon, he was Sydney Swans, um, a, a champion of the game, really did get hounded out of the ground, out, out of the game, you know, um, yeah. Um, all right. So that's that Brownlow medalist. You know, um, he, he he was great. Um, Australian of the Year as well on one occasion. Um, I don't know whether that was before or after all this saga. Uh, I actually can't remember. Um, all right. So that's that. Adam Goods I've talked about. Lindy Chamberlain. Now, that, that is something, that's the only other thing that I can remember in my time, because I remember that so clearly. Well, I remember that clearly. Why do people say so clearly? <laughs> uh, clearly. Uh, I remember that clearly, because it was in my time. Lindy Chamberlain, 
you know, that reminds me of the Adam Goods thing. Um, because that one span right out of control too. Australia went nuts. Um, judging Lindy Chamberlain. Yeah, and recently, yeah, that was back in the 1980s, was it? Um, whenever it was. And now, more recently, Australia went nuts judging Adam Goods. Now, um, and this, this might be a way for me to at least propose an, uh, uh, food for thought on what the hell went on with Adam Goods. Because it had gone on before with Lindy Chamberlain. Now, if you if you assess those two situations and see no similarities whatsoever, then I think I would um, I would put it down to straight racism with uh, Adam Goods because there's no similarities. Because the Lindy Chamberlain one wasn't to do with racism; it was something else. Right now, but in both on both occasions, Australians just went psycho. You know, the whole captivated the nation is the most euphemistic way you could put it. Um, everybody had an opinion, you know. and Lindy Chamberlain was hounded. She's an Aussie, you know, as is Adam Goods, and um, and it ended up such that first she was hounded into jail. Now. There were a lot of people during the Adam Goods uh, situation would have been happy to see him thrown into jail and locked up, you know, because they just hated him so much, you know. Uh, um, right, they wouldn't have cared what happened. They wouldn't. Have, they wouldn't have cared if he got hit by a truck. You know, that's the way it was. Um, Lindy Chamberlain went into jail, and you know, um, and uh, and. Eventually got released, you know, because it was. I think with Lindy Chamberlain. Uh, how's that on meeting? Isn't that terrible? I have got a lot of dignity, you know. Here's me. I just had something to eat whilst I'm speaking. Terrible person. Um. Just, right. And now. Um, so Lindy Chamberlain, and then Lindy Chamberlain essentially was hounded out of Australia, never to feel welcome here again. Now, she was exonerated. Um, all the evidence, you know, now that you look at it, looking back, um, it was impossible that she killed her baby, Azaria. You know, she came, the poor woman, you know, she came screaming, Dingo's taken my baby, you know. And, um, oh my God, I've got children. I just couldn't imagine it would be... Yes, and then to just to make it a little um, more easy for her to cope, we put her in jail as well for killing her baby. Yeah. Now, as it turns out, she didn't. Um, yeah. Now there'll be people right now saying, "I think she still did," you know, but she didn't. You know, um, uh, I've, she just didn't. She couldn't have. Impossible. Uh, and she went to live in America. I've been smashing America a lot, but. Lindy Chamberlain went and lived there. She was hounded out of Australia. Adam Goods, well, he can't really be hounded out of Australia because he's Indigenous. And how do you hound an Indigenous guy out of Australia? I think we just threw him into misery. 
uh, you know, um, had he not been indigenous, I think he would have racked off as well, but he can't, you know, because he's attached to here. You, you can't, you know, that's like splitting up your own DNA. And I don't mind saying that. Yeah. He's, um, you can't put in, you can't push an indigenous person to another country. It's a funny thing with the indigenous people. You can't do it, you know. Uh, me, it was quite easy to take me out of Ireland. <laughs> um, I have no feelings for Ireland. So there is a difference there, isn't there? I wonder what that is. All right. You can, I, I went back to Ireland. Back? I'd never been there before in my life. But I went to Ireland. You know, my ancestors came from Ireland. And I had a, um, a good quarter of my ancestors came from England as well. Um, you know, uh, directly. Um, and, you know, 75% came from Ireland, roughly. Um, and, um, and uh, I went back to where my ancestors had come from and I felt nothing. You know. um, Michael Long, the indigenous, you know, my, probably my, is it my favourite, is he my favourite indigenous player? Um, do you know what? I think, I think Waller, Anthony McDonald, Tipper Moody playing footy. I think Waller might be getting up there. No, nah, it's still Michael Long. Longy is my favourite indigenous player. Um, but he's part Irish as well, and he went back to Ireland, and he actually had a real feeling, he said, um, you know, when he went to where his ancestors came from, from Ireland. Um, and he's got a lot of Indigenous ancestors, of course, you know. Um, um, I've got a picture of, um, I've got a photo of my daughter, who's now 14, sitting on Longy's knee when she was one. It's so cute. And, um, and I've got a photo of son with David Zaharakis um, when he was one um, and that was cute too uh, David Zaharakis was actually after a match he was going to a press conference he's, he's one of my favourite people amongst, along with every other Essendon player and, um, and you know I, I happen to know that he was half Greek half Aussie and all Aussie at the same time I've explained how that can be um, he's half Greek and half Aussie through his parents, his mum's an Aussie and his dad's a Greek. Um, and, you know, Mike, and I, I yelled out to him, I have my little blonde, he was blonde then, Zahra, because he's got a lot less hair now, he keeps it short. Um, and I had little Alex, my boy, and um, I yelled out to Zahra, hey David, I've got a little half Greek, half Aussie boy here. And uh, as he was going to a press conference, and he came over and uh, got a photo, and he just told everyone, uh, he, he was great, you know, came over and just um, interrupted the press conference. Anyway, so that's that. So, and, um, yeah, so Lindy Chamberlain, if you, and, uh, you know, I am not someone who's going to tell anybody how to think, absolutely not, couldn't care less. If you think that Lindy Chamberlain and Adam Goods have nothing in common in terms of how they were hounded. It's amazing these people don't commit suicide sometimes, seriously. I'm, I get amazed. Um, if you think there's nothing in common with them, their situations, their experiences, then I reckon I'll be happy to say that the Adam Goods thing was straight racism. Uh, if you think, you know, uh, there's a 10% similarity um, and, you know, 
and I won't get into why that what that ten percent similarity is, you know, but whatever was similar about that, you know, if if Australian people um, in back in the nineteen eighties and more recently um, just didn't like either of them, you know, stepping out of line or whatever they didn't like, then that portion of the Adam Goods case might not be racism. It might be just that Australians are total prejudicial pigs. Um, but, oh, let's get back to whatever I was chatting about. But, um, you know, I thought Lindy Chamberlain was worth a mention in the Adam Goods thing. And, and, and that's the end of the Adam Goods sort of analysis. Uh, there's far better analysis online. Just Google Adam Goods and you'll see really well thought out and brilliant analysis by the greatest minds in Melbourne. You know, the greatest social and political minds in Melbourne. Um, I am not one of those people. Read those. This is not what you come here for. Naz, I think you've got an idea of Naz and AB. Um, T, who's another Ethiopian friend, as you see, AB's Ethiopian. There's another guy, T, um, who doesn't like the way AB talks, and I'm pretty sure he's not into rap either. Um, yeah, um, I think Naz would like to get on to T and say, listen, stop associating so much with white people. Um, you know, you're you're being their patsy, you know, something like that, you know, a little bit, you know, um, uh, who else, who else, uh, someone else was mentioned, oh, Kanye West, you know, white people love him, so black people hate him, you know, well, you know, not all black people, maybe T doesn't hate Kanye, you know, it's black people who hate white people that hate Kanye, and perhaps it's black people who hate white people who hate tea. And little Richard too, who's, you know, my sort of boyhood sort of, um, you know, the rock star I used to follow. Alright, so that's that. Um, now, um, racism. Alright, my, the definition I've got in my head is racism is where you discriminate, you know, dislike someone based on the colour of their skin, usually, usually the colour of their skin know, or the colour of their culture, or whatever, the colour of what they identify as, um, you dislike them, you know, for their, these days it's about black and white, mostly, you know, um, but you can't be racist about it anyway, but it's a power thing, as far as I can tell, but if you've got a better definition, you know, let me know, once you find out who the hell I am, uh, right, now, racism, my feeling is, you know, Naz hates, I call Naz not a racist, because he's not in a superior position, cultural, uh, skin colour wise. I call him a white hater. I think he's a white hater. And I think AB is a white hater too. Hates white people. You know, unless such a white person will just completely bow down at his feet and agree with everything he says. You know, so I, I do know, I do sense AB's got that. If you sit in a room, shut up and listen up. And he, he tells you how it is. They've got these terms, I heard. Y-P-E-P-O. Y-P-E-P-O. W-Y-P-E-P-O. And that's black people who are in the business of studying white people. It's bizarre, you know. And there's a thing called black... And I've learned all these things just recently. Never knew a thing. And there's a thing called... Is it black 
Blackopedia or Black Twitter or something. I, I actually was shown, but I forgot which one it was. But basically, there's a black everything, you know. A black... Um, yeah. Black pride, you know. Um, and all that sort of stuff. You know, um, you're not supposed to have white pride. Right. Now, I think that's all to do with power. If you're in a power... A lower power position, if you are in a powerless position or a, you know, a smashed position, it's what you what your all these sorts of actions, you know, where you say what black power, you know, stuff that you couldn't say as a white person, you know, you couldn't say white power and put your fist up, but black power, it's in opposition to what the white people have done, you know what I mean? So in some senses, I guess I can see that that's okay. Um, so if you hate white people, it can be seen as being in opposition to white people hating black people. So it's not just straight racism as far as I can tell. It's, um, it is a, a kind of defiant oppositional thing. And a lot of rap just sounds defiant to me, you know. I'm used to rock and roll. I like rock and roll, which is just largely an expression of joy. Look, at expression of joy. It's about sex mainly. And people say sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but mainly sex, you know, because rock and roll is a uh, uh, a metaphor for sex. You know, that's what rock and roll means. Um, so, but I'm used to that, which is basically just about joy, you know, fun, you know, and all that sort of stuff. But rap is about defiance, mostly, as far as I can tell. And even hip hop seems to be, you know, Skippy the Bush Kangaroo, hip hop. Uh, even hip hop seems to be a kind of defiance even you know the hip-hop where they're all in their mansion you know some some rapper has made good and has um or a hip-hop person has made good and he's got a bentley and a jag and he's got a mansion and a pool and he has a harem of 15 women with big bums you know all around his pool and he makes a video uh, of it, uh, a, a uh, music video where he raps about how how well he's going and instructs all those women to shake their big bums at the camera, you know. So a lot of hip-hop seems to be like that. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. Um, now, um, What's next? So that's now racism. All right. So yes, I think if a white person is sort of is a black hater, I think he's a racist when the when the whites are in a superior position. But a black person who hates whites is just a white hater. But if Naz and this is the critical thing, if Naz got his way and managed to unite the blacks against the whites. And then the blacks got into a superior position again, which they've been in superior positions before, um, in ancient times, um, in, in, you know, in, in certain spots, um, because, you know, you didn't have a global thing back then. There wasn't such a thing as being superior on a global level, like whites have sort of roughly been for a while on the planet. But um, analogous to that was, you know, blacks being in a superior position. Um, for example, um, there was a whole dynasty in Egypt where the blacks came up and subdued the Egyptians, you know, and, um, and sat on, as pharaohs on the throne, much like the Romans did later, you know. So the blacks, uh, or now these are the Kush people, I think, um, have, 
you know, Naz has got a point. The Kush people do have a claim on Egypt to that extent. But then again, so has the Romans. You know, so have the Greeks. You know, and I don't hear Naz singing rap songs about how the Greeks have a claim to Egypt or the Romans. He just says, no, the Africans have, you know, um, because of the accidental geography of the fact that Egypt happens to be on a continent that these days, you know, by looking at the shape of it, we call Africa, you know. Um, but, you know, the connection between Egypt and Greece seems ridiculously stronger to me. And, and the connection between Greece and Rome, uh, sorry, and, uh, well, obviously, and uh, the connection between um, Egypt and Rome, and Egypt and, you know, the Fertile Crescent, you know. But for a long time, Egypt was kind of isolated, wasn't it, roughly? And trading up and down the Nile, obviously, they were there, you know, that's how the Kush came up. Um, yeah, but, you know, um, that's that, yeah. All right, um, so if the blacks managed to get on top again, well, then, if they still had any white-hating ways, they would be racists. You know, I'd be happy to call the black people racists then, because they'd be in a superior position. And then if the white people hated black people then, you know, and this is a world gone out of control, pretty much like America. The whole world being like America is, to my mind. Um, Australia's bad too, don't get me wrong. Did I mention Adam Goods? Um, Australia is bad too, but America does it in a very special way. It might be the history of slavery. We haven't got that same history of slavery. Look, I discussed the Kanakas and all that sort of stuff in another episode. I won't go over all that again. You know, um, and now, you know, I won't go into that. Um, right. Um, so, but the Americas do it in a certain way. And imagine, you know, the America, the, the way black and white is out of control in America. Um, Imagine that goes worldwide and then triples, you know. So, and then the blacks get on top of the whites, you know. All the It's all about black and white. I promised that. I said this series of episodes, which I'm just about to finish, are all about black and white. You may hate hearing about black and white. And it's not important to me, you know, um, skin colour. You know, in a bubble, in my own head, I don't think about it most of the time. And, I, you know, if I meet someone who happens to be from Ethiopia or India or, you know, uh, or one of my mates who gets a really good tan his skin colour doesn't really matter to me because I just I often don't even see it but there are forces in the world that force me to notice it you know I have lost my innocence you know my son fantastic you know he's got you know, he's got dark skinned friends and he's not conscious of it at this point in time he's only eight and um, and I talk about Ethiopian history as readily as I do any other history probably more than I do about sort of um, American history, believe it or not, with him. Uh, only because, you know, we know some... Well, he's got some Ethiopian friends, you know. Um, so it, it's not a matter of... It's nothing, you know, it's nothing. In fact, the day we have to point out to him that having black skin is an issue, is it's a tragedy in a way. It's a tragedy because he's got uh, brown-skinned friends and... The day that he and his brown-skinned friends have to sort of worry about that, um, it's a you know, it's a loss of innocence that is a pity, and it's a pity that even I lost that in you know that sense of innocence. Now I lived, I read Biggles books when I was a kid, but somehow it didn't register with me. Um, you may you may disagree with me and say it registered with you 
but you're not aware of it. A lot of people are good at that. They say, yes, you think you don't think something, but you really do and you just don't know it. I said, right. And what made you um, able to actually see in my head to be so sure of that? Yeah. <laughs> people are, yeah, well, yeah. ego is not a dirty word. Now, what I, it is a dirty word. Now, um, so liberalism I've touched on, racism I've touched on, you know, the power thing. Um, goodsy I touched on, but I, you know, it's almost undiscussable. Um, Naz, I think I've covered, what else? Liberalism. Yeah, liberalism is a funny one. Um, liberalism, I think, has the power to destroy the world. Um, now, the way it works with, all right, I'll finish off with liberalism. All right, this can be my nice strong finish, hopefully. All right, liberalism. I think liberalism was the putting away of the old authoritarian uh, ideas of divine rule via a monarch. You know, God rules through a monarch and all the priests say yea verily that's true and the peasants all fall into line you know so that's my kind of idea of authoritarian rule there are other sorts of authoritarian and totalitarian rule but i think specifically the europeans brought about the idea of liberalism or brought it back from the ancient times you know um greece and rome who got all their ideas from sub-saharan africa says naz and you, you will agree with that if you listen to his rap songs too much. Right. Now, um, so, um, where am I? Um, all right, Greece and Rome had an idea of liberalism, right? I personally think they kind of came up with it largely by themselves, right? They had an idea of liberalism for the few, but it was an idea of liberalism, you know, way back. And then that was all put aside, um, they had a refugee crisis, you know, <laughs> and the Germans came as refugees and wrecked it all. <laughs> and everything became kings and queens again. Okay, divine rule and Christianity took over and there's the divine rule right there. Okay, so, but then the Renaissance came and then the Enlightenment and divine rule was pushed aside again and heads got chopped off and a new liberalism came about which was more than what the ancient Greeks had had you know um, it was democracy plus it was republicanism plus you know it was all that it was the liberal arts and more right and uh, science and you know everything you know the liberal arts what a great Wikipedia page that brings in science as well mathematics and all that sort of stuff and music and everything liberal arts it's a great read on wikipedia i don't care if it's wikipedia it's still a great read okay so liberalism came into into play and it's taken hundreds of years to unfold um and you know we're still finding our way with this new toy um now every time someone comes up with a new idea or a new idea within this category of liberalism and the ideas are such as socialism you know and capitalism you know each of those say this is liberalism this is the liberal each person who comes up with it marx you know karl marx the worker you know 
labor in Australia, all that sort of stuff for the worker. Um, Karl Marx for the worker, but he took it further. Um, Karl Marx, and then the, 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 the neo-Marxist, and then Lenin, you know, um, not John Lennon, but the other one. Um, all these guys come out, communism, Lenin, you know, and Trotsky, uh, all that sort of stuff. Um, each time any of these guys come up with an idea, within the uh, broad church we call liberalism, they say they have come up with the idea that gives freedom to the people. So let's say communists, right? When the communists say this will bring freedom to the people, what they are saying there is they are the Liberal Party. All right. Now, you may disagree with that, obviously. You know, there's quite a few disasters in the 20th century for the communists, right? Where the people didn't actually get free. <laughs> um, but let's say you've got a communist a long time ago, before it had been tried and failed 55 times. Um, they come up with an idea and they say communism shall set the people free. All right. It is a liberal system or a liberal idea at that point in time. So communism is a liberal idea, and if someone brings it into play, you know, they have a liberal system. Now, if it turns out to um, throw the people into um, abject servitude and, you know, and trap them, well, then people start to doubt that it is a liberal system. So, you know, if, um, but, in, you know, it, it, it does start off as a liberal system. And the Democrats in America, they say, we are the, a liberal system. And the Conservatives in Australia, Robert Menzies, say, we are a liberal system. All right, take the Democrats and the Australian Liberal Party. Right, both of them, one's, a cons- one's right wing, one's left wing. They both say, we are a liberal party, you know. And... Well, in the case of those two guys, it sticks, you know. So, in the minds of most Australians, you know, the Liberal Party have, you know, they are the champions of liberalism, you know. And Karl, you know, neo-Marxists say they are the champions of liberalism. And the Democrats say they are the champions of liberalism. This is why I say they're all liberal systems. Now, you, if you happen to be a Marxist, you'll say that... The, cons- the, the Liberal Party in Australia has no right to call themselves the Liberal Party and that the Democrats in America have no right to call themselves Liberals, you know. And, and you know, and, and I could say the same thing with all the others, you know. Um, so you can't say, you know, each of them do claim to be liberal systems within the broad church of liberalism, you know. Liberal churches within the broad church of liberalism. And, um, and, and to a certain extent, if anyone claim, if, if enough people claim they are, then you have to listen. You don't have to listen, but if you don't, you're, you're, you're ignoring something, you know. And I'm not ignoring anything in these, um, in these podcasts. Right, I don't know if I did any better that time, but I had another crack. And that's the best I can do. That's the best I can do. End of series called Naz and Biggles. Music. Oh, let's see what's on the radio to finish us off with.
podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.